0: This is weird for me because usually I teach third through fifth graders and they are neither quiet nor respectful (laughs) up there. So the fact that you guys listen just freaks me out a little bit. So to make me more comfortable, if anyone wants to act out and I can throw you out of here, it'd be really good for me. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't have my candy bucket. That's like how I get kids to do anything. Um, Okay, so I made the mistake long ago of telling my husband that I mean, he's asked me multiple times to speak on a Sunday. I hate it, so I've always said no, but I made the mistake of telling him the only time I would ever speak is on Father's Day. He remembered, and now I am regretting my life decisions. Um, But there's two reasons for that. Um, The first is I have kind of lived in two worlds when it comes to a father. For the first, I would say, nine or 10 years of my life, I had a really good dad. Uh, He was, I idolized him. I feel like kids when they're little, they just think their dads are the greatest thing. And so for those 10 years, I really did idolize my dad. I I just thought he was amazing. Um, And he was everything that I needed in a dad. Um, he was really funny, he has, like, a really, like, sarcastic, witty sense of humor that I loved. He was a history teacher, so he knew everything about everything, and we would take these long trips across the country, um, and we would stop at every historical monument possible. And as a kid, I hated it, but now as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I, like, walked around Martin Luther King Jr.'s house, and we walked the streets where JFK was shot. Like, we just, it was just really fun. and my dad was also, he was raised Jewish, he was bar mitzvahed, and it wasn't until later in life that he became a Christian. And so he developed all these really good arguments for why he was a Christian. And for my walk and my faith, that was really important for me. Um, so he was just this perfect dad. And then without getting into too much of the minutia or the details of what happened. By the time I was 14, my dad was gone. And I mean, gone, gone. He didn't fight for custody of us. He was not in my life. And for the last 20 years, um oh my gosh, that was so loud. (laughs) For the last 20 years, I have lived without a father. Um, And so I recognize how important dads are, because I've had the fullness of that, and then I've had the complete lack of that. So today, I want to do a couple things. First, I want to just dispel some of the lies about fatherhood that I feel are propagated by our American culture. Um, And two, I just want to encourage you dads. Um, So I'm going to start by reading from Genesis. You can open if you want, um, but I'll just read through it. It's Genesis 27, and this is a story of um, Isaac. He had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and Jacob was um, a deceiver, right? He stole his brother's birth. Well, really, he didn't steal it. His brother was kind of dumb about it, but he took his brother's birthright, and he stole his brother's blessing, right? The birthright was really the inheritance. The first son was given a double portion So if a father had three sons, they would divvy everything out by four, and that first son would get the birthright, which was that double portion of the inheritance. And the blessing was really um, a spoken word that was very prophetic. Um, It had a lot of weight. It provided a scaffolding for the child's life from that point on. Um, And so I'm going to pick up in this story right after Jacob had come in and stolen Isaac's blessing. And it said, After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came in and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, "'Isn't he rightly named Jacob? "'He has deceived me two times. "'He took my birthright, and now he has taken my blessing. "'Then he asked, "'Haven't you reserved any blessing for me?' "'Isaac answered Esau, "'I have made him lord over you, "'and have made all his relatives your servants, "'and have sustained him with grain and new wine. "'So what can I possibly do for you, my son?' Esau said to his father, "'Do you only have one blessing, my father? "'Bless me too, my father.' Then Esau wept aloud. And there's lots of things that we can unpack from that. This is a pretty heartbreaking story. Um, But I want to focus on the one thing. And that is that Esau really understood the power of a father's words. He understood that there was weight and there was substance to what a father could give him. And I feel like a little bit in our society, we've forgotten how important fathers are. So today, I want to talk about three lies that I feel like have kind of infiltrated themselves into our society, and then I wanna encourage you dads. So the first lie is, dads, um, that you might hear is that you're not important. And you could take my word for it, or um, I just found some articles from major publications in the United States, um, and I'll just read their titles. The Atlantic Magazine just had an article that said, "Are fathers necessary, a paternal contribution may not be as essential as we think. Um, The New York Times held a discussion panel um, called What Are Fathers For?, where Hannah Rosen, one of her, their contributors, said, "I'm not sure whether a child needs a father." And the Huffington Post um, or Huff Post just wrote an article, simply stated, "Fathers are not needed." So that I feel like is something that is being told to fathers over and over again. And I'm here to tell you, as a daughter of a father who left, it's a lie. It is a lie. Dad, you are so important. You are so important. I'm going to read some statistics just because I'm kind of nerdy and I love statistics. Um, You guys have probably heard things like this before. I've heard them a bunch of times. But every time I hear them, I'm shocked by them. And these are just statistics of kids growing up without fathers. And just so you know, the United States just topped the world in our fatherless rate. We are number one. Um, Okay, It says 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home, 85%. 71% of all high school dropouts come from a fatherless home. Teen girls from fatherless homes are four times more likely to become teen moms. 63% of youth suicides, 63% um, are kids from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients treated in substance abuse centers are from fatherless homes. 90% of the youth in the United States who run away or become homeless for any reason originally came from a fatherless home. Children who live in fatherless homes are 279% more likely to deal drugs or carry firearms for offensive purposes. And 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. So while our society writes articles stated fathers are not needed, the statistics show otherwise. Dads, we need you. We need you in the home. You are so, so important. Um, Okay, so lie number two is dads, you're not necessary. And this sounds a lot like the first, so let me dissect this a little bit. Also, my hope is to not offend anyone in what I'm about to say. Um, Just hear me out. If you are offended, you can leave a comment at (laughs) david@livingstreams.org, and just let me know. Um, But dads are not necessary. I feel like this is very rooted in the feminist movement. Um, Now, understand, I'm a woman. I am raising three daughters. I am very, very, very pro-woman, okay? But there is something that happened in the third wave of the feminist movement. The first wave, I'm all about, I would have been there marching in the streets. Second wave, got a little iffy for me. The third wave, I feel like it's very destructive. And here's what it does. It tells women... That we can take over the role of any man anywhere, including a father. That we can provide everything that a father would provide. And it tells men, hey, what you bring to the table is not only not necessary, but it's actually offensive and oppressive. We tell men that their strength is offensive. We tell them that their masculinity is oppressive. If they open a door for us, that's offensive. If they don't open a door, that's also offensive, right? We've trapped them and we've told them, we don't need you, we can play that role too. But that's also a lie. I grew up without a dad. My mom provided everything that she could. She was a great mom, but she couldn't provide everything. Dads, you are necessary because what you bring to the table is very different from what a mom brings to the table. And that's important. That's why God did it, right? Amen. They did a study in Boston Children's Hospital, and they took these eight-week-old babies, and they hooked them up to all these wires because Americans are crazy and we do this kind of stuff to children. But we, they, like, put it so they could monitor brain activity and their heart rate. And then they put them in a room and they were monitoring there, and they brought mom in the room, right? And as they monitored, the heart rate went down, the brain activity went down, the hands and feet stopped moving, the eyes got a little droopy, because moms have this amazing ability to nurture their child, to calm their child. It's a beautiful thing. Now, they did the same thing, hooked the baby up, monitoring in there, they brought the dad in, the exact opposite happened. The brain activity went up, the heart rate went up, the hands started moving, right? The eyes got really wide because dads bring something very different. When I come home from work, my daughters just crowd around me, I'll be cooking dinner, they're talking, sitting on the counter, we're just like engaging that way. When my husband walks home or comes home through work, he um, walks through the door, and my girl's like, Dad, let's go play soccer. Let's go do this. And I remember when they were little, I always dressed them in those like onesie pajamas because I'm like the world's laziest mom. They never got out of those. Actually, my daughter's wearing pajamas today. It's just a thing. <laughs> But my my husband would walk through the door and he would grab them by the collar of that thing and he would lift them up into the air and they would be like so excited flailing around and then he'd just throw them onto a couch or throw them onto a bed. I was like, what is happening, right? (laughs) Or they do this thing, wrestling on the bed. The girls always wanna do it. I do not know why because there are like 20 near-death experiences every time. When they start doing that, I go to Target, because I know it's gonna end in crying. I know it. But dads have this amazing thing that they bring. It's just natural. He's not trying, but when I walk in the room, my first thought is, and I'm gonna lift my daughter up by the collar, flail her in the air, but it's his first thought, right? Dads are very different. You guys bring something so different and so necessary. So you are very important. We need you. Because you can anchor us the way a mom can't. You bring things that a mom can't, and you are necessary because what you give us, your strength, your protection, your masculinity, those are very important to your children. All right, let's move to the third lie. So. Um, I know that when you look at that, when you see how important your presence is and you see how necessary your presence is, it might feel very daunting. It might feel very overwhelming. How could I possibly fill this role, right? It's so significant in your kid's life. And I know you might have moments, and I know with my dad, just hearing his story, there were moments like that. He got too scared of how big this role was that he ran away from it. But I'm gonna let you in on a little secret here today. Kids are not expecting you to do some big, grand thing. When the Bible talks about these fathers giving their blessing, it wasn't some huge ordeal. And I was reading, um, Gary Smalley writes a lot of books on marriage and family, and I think he did the love languages, but he was writing this book on fatherhood, and he did tons of interviews before this, and he interviewed all these kids, and he just asked them, when was it, what specifically do you remember, what was the moment that you said, oh, I have received my father's blessing? And I just wanna read some of the responses. Um, one One boy said my father would let me practice pitching to him for a long time when he got home from work. That was the moment he realized he had his father's blessing. I wrecked my parents' car and my father's first reaction was to hug me and let me cry instead of yelling at me. I know what his second reaction was though. But his first reaction, was a hug. That was the moment that kid realized they had their father's blessing, that that very substantial thing. Um, One kid said, when I was 13, my dad trusted me to use his favorite hunting rifle. Um, And one more, my father would put his arm around me in church and let me lay my head on his shoulder. And here's the thing. It may seem daunting, but your kids are just looking for these consistent, small things. You do not know the moment that that blessing is being transferred from you to your child. It could be when you're throwing them on the bed, right? It could be when you're holding their hand and you walk across the street. Could be when you teach them to drive. It doesn't have to be something big and grand. Your kids just want you to show up in little ways. They're not expecting perfection. They know you're not perfect. I idolized my dad for 10 years. I knew he wasn't perfect. They just want you to be there in small little ways. Put your arm around them. Hold their hand. Doesn't have to be a big thing. Um, I don't feel like I received my father's blessing. He left before I really felt like that. Um, But I was trying to remember the moment I felt the most loved by my dad. And it was, um, I was in my room and I had like a thousand stuffed animals. And he was in there and he was just piling them on top of me and then I'd pop out and then I'd lie back down and then he'd pile them on top of me again and then I'd pop back. It's like the dumbest game in the world. But I felt so loved by my dad. It was such a small thing, but it wasn't a small thing to me. It was a huge thing. And in all those 10 years, that's the one moment I pull out and say, that is when I felt loved by my dad. So dads, please know it doesn't have to be anything huge. It doesn't have to be anything grand. We just want it to be consistent. That's it. Um. I wanna read a couple um, things in closing. I'm not really a good closer because uh, honestly, by the time I'm done teaching up there, the kids are not listening anymore, right? <laughs> I never have to close because I feel like sometimes they'll look up at me and they will be shocked that I'm still teaching, right? They'll be like doing their thing and they're like, what, she's still up there, what is happening? So I'm never, I've never been a good closer because I've never had to be, okay? Um, but I wanna read a couple things just to some Groups, Because Father's Day, while I want to encourage you dads, because I think dads are just so important, um, I also know Father's Day can be pretty heavy and pretty hard. Um, so I want to read a few things just directed at a few groups that maybe you find yourself in here on Father's Day. Um, so the first one is to dads. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. I hate this so much. Um, dads, you are essential workers, Um, I wanna say it again, you are important, you are necessary, and we need you to to just consistently show up in small ways. When I was looking for a Bible story about a good dad, I honestly struggled to find one. I do believe there is something uniquely hard about fatherhood and while that's not an excuse, let it serve as an encouragement for you to get the help you need to do this well. Because it's crucial. Please find a counselor or a good friend or a life group. Get plugged in and stay plugged in because your kids really do need you. That pain of having a father leave, it, it will never leave me. So please, please stay. Please do what you have to do to stay. To single moms, you are our Debras. Uh, you step up when it was necessary. I was raised by a single mother. And she did an incredible job. So you can do it. Oh, I love you. Thank you. You can do this. That's my simple encouragement to single moms. You can do it. His grace is so sufficient. And while they're still paid, my mom raised four pretty well-adjusted children, okay? Um, to fathers with no father, You are the dam builders. You are a powerful force working to change the flow and it's no easy task. It would be simple to be swept away by what took your father and maybe fathers in your family line for generations but I'm begging you not to stop the work. What you're doing is not only good, it is necessary. It's the hard work and I am and we are all grateful for you. Um, to those walking without the blessing of their father. You are not fatherless. I've walked in your shoes almost all my life. Trust me when I say I know the pain, I've been there. I know the insecurity that comes with that kind of rejection. I know the heartache of not being able to ask for advice or simply have a shoulder to rest your head on. But I also know how good of a father I have. I'm not fatherless and neither are you. To fathers who have withheld the blessing, you're late, but you're not too late. I would take my father's blessing today if that were possible. I don't quite understand how all of this works, but there is a deep ache that comes from having to live without your father's approval, without his words of life, and without his impact. So if it's right, give the blessing. It's not too late. And to all the men in the room who are not fathers, maybe not yet, or maybe you'll never be fathers. You are the pinch hitters. You are the six men, the closers. We need you. I had men step into my life in different areas. Coaches, youth leaders, husband. And it changed everything for me. You really can step into that role and love a kid who doesn't have a father. And while you're not gonna save them from all the pain, you can make a huge, huge difference. Um, I'm gonna pray really quick and then... I think someone's going to sing a song or something. All right. All right. God, I just thank you so much that you are a good father. Ultimately, um, we have you, and I'm so grateful for that. But God, today I want to pray for all the fathers in the room. I pray that they would understand how important they are I pray for everyone who knows a good father in the room. I pray that we would be their cheerleaders, that we would constantly be supporting them. Because without fathers, our society really does fail. So God, just encourage them today. Just bless them in this pursuit and this journey of fatherhood. Thank you that they don't have to be perfect, but help them keep showing up. Amen.